We both sound like this today. Yeah. Yeah. Did um, a lot of yelling yesterday. Did a lot of yelling. Yeah. And talking. And, and a little bit of drinking. A little bit. In the heat. Not enough for me to be hungover, yet here I am. Yet here you are. This is old and hungover. This is the age that we are. Yeah. And um, we get hungover from just like a couple drinks now. Yeah. I'm not too terrible, but I am sore for no reason. So I don't it get where that comes bags. from. It's probably bags. But the bags are so light. They're nothing. But it's the bending over <sighs> because we are now of an age. <laughs> no, I refuse to be where of we that can't. age. No, Emily. We can't bend over anymore. <sighs> we must now squat. This is trash. You're right, but this is trash. Yes. I'm angry about it. Yes. We were at a friend's party, and it was outside, and it was hot as balls, and we were in costumes, but we looked great. Um, but we we are very tired now. I Ready? went straight from a rehearsal to that party right. after a tabletop game. Right. It was a whole ass day. Absolutely. And now I will go from this to a rehearsal and then join you again. Yes. At a live <laughs> at a live podcast thing. <laughs> I am not going to that rehearsal. No. I cannot have three back to back to back days in a row. No. I can't go three months with the thing every day. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I uh I'm I've been slowly building up my tolerance for having things to do. Yep. I think I've gotten much better. Yeah. But I have a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I did too much. Yeah. And now I have three more months of too much. Yeah. I was avoid. I've been avoiding those meetings for a while, partially because I just haven't really wanted to put the work into uh, going to them. I finally have some some things written for it, but I still haven't read anyone else's sketches, which you are supposed to do. Yes, to sign up. I haven't yes. done that. Oh, so I'm probably going to do that on the way. <laughs> Make Jake <laughs> drive. Not that he's fucking done that either, but he doesn't care about being unprepared, and I do. <laughs> yeah, that was so, my also my hang up. I'm like. This is just another thing that I need to do. Yeah. And I need to cut something yeah. from my laundry list of shit. And I think uh, everybody's got to just prune that shit every once in a while. Yeah. Because the world wants to rush back in at you now that we're allowed to see each other. And yeah. some people like some people could probably just jump right in and be like, yeah, I got it. Just like before. But uh, we're no. not like that. We are nowhere people. <laughs> we are nowhere people now. Uh, we discovered this, and it's still true. And uh, just because we have to go somewhere sometimes doesn't mean we want to or we like it. Yeah. We aren't really introverts. <laughs> I, I would argue that I am, oh. uh, but only because, like, I, I, f I find the things tire. I love the things. Mm -hmm. I love the things and t the, the seeing of the people, but I find it exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, that's, yeah. I would say I'm on the extroverted side of introvert. Yeah. And yet I'm still dying. Yeah. <laughs> Well, shall you and me and our radio voices uh, do a podcast? Yeah, let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Um, I think, if I'm wrong, tell me, I think you're first this time. Sure. I'm pretty sure that I told you to think first last time, but I don't remember. I don't know. Do you want me to look it up? No. Okay. It's fine. We're just going to, yeah, this is fine. Also, we're drinking Trulies. Yeah. Out of the cooler from the party yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't plan well. No, well, I just we talked shit. about it. Yeah, I just forget shit when there's too much to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? There was literally two Trulies and two spotted cows in that cooler. It was made for it's perfect. us. Perfect. It's perfect. Incredible. We were in my apartment. We are. I've made the lighting fit my story. Oh yes, it's blue and it's purple. Everyone, uh -huh. we're in an ocean. Mm hmm. I'm very scared. I will begin. With a song. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why this? <laughs> <clears throat> Under the sea. <laughs> is... <laughs> I was fucking drinking like an idiot when you started that. Okay. No, go on. <laughs> Under the sea is death and me. Down to the bottom where I will blossom eternally. <laughs> oh, no. You're welcome. So, no. <laughs> I didn't thank you. <laughs> All right. So as discussed, we are nowhere people. Mm -hmm. As nowhere people, we've still done some crazy shit. We've been to places. We've traveled. Yeah. We've gone outside. <laughs> I guess. I've mentioned my strong dislike of the ocean before. Oh, God. Yeah. The incredible uncomfy feelings of seeing the shift off of a reef edge where it's just black and cold and bottomless. No, thank you. 
And also specifically my disdain for whales. Too big. Too big. Whales are just too big. Too big. My brain can't do it. Nope. And now I present to you something else to add to that list. Let's go back to 1990. Oh, the year I was born. Yeah, and, let's. Uh, yeah. I let's. had no responsibilities, no bills. Yeah. And let's kick off with a quote. Great. As soon as my mask cleared, one of the bastards made a run at me. I swatted him, and faster than I could believe, one of his whips shot out and grabbed my wrist. I thought a hundred needles were stabbing me. I punched him in the eye, and he let go. And I stared up, figuring this wasn't a healthy place to be. Then, all of a sudden, I felt myself being dragged down. Three of the things had me. They were yanking me down into the gloom. Did you say whips? What has whips? What terrifying monster <laughs> has like little whip arms? At first, I was like a jellyfish, and then it was like, <laughs> and then it was like I punched it in the eye, and I was like, they don't have those. <laughs> <laughs> Is it some sort of big octopus? So, Emily. Alex. <laughs> Emily's favorite bit to move on when I have a question. Yes. Alex Kerstich was a marine biology high school teacher and was also making some documentaries. Oh, cool. Along with three of his friends, Bob Cranston, Howard Hall, and Mark Conlin, all out of San Diego. So California, great place for marine life. Sure. Research. As America goes, absolutely. Yeah. They were working on a documentary called Life in the Youngest Sea which was going to be shown on PBS's Nature series next year. Hey, good for them. Yeah. And they needed nighttime footage. Oh, no. (laughs) So on the 25th of July, 1990, he and his friends grabbed their diving equipment and were like, let's go. Diving at night? Yes. Diving at night, Emily. The ocean was calm. Sky was clear. No storms on the horizon. Everything was great. Um, They left La Paz at sunset on a 70-foot research vessel. And they reached an area off of San Diego Island, north of La Paz. And darkness had come in, so they turned on the floodlights on the research vessel so they could see the surface of the water. Sure. This is how movies start that are about a big, scary thing that we didn't previously know about in the water. Just saying. Yeah. The floodlights make you feel safe. Nope. No, they don't. So... They had Howard's dad along. That's worse. (laughs) And they'd put a giant ass piece of tuna onto a fishing rod to lure some animals into the area. I'm just picturing like a cartoonishly large piece of tuna, just like a chunk out of tuna. Yeah. Well, tuna can be cartoonishly large. That's so true. (laughs) Also terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) It all is. It all is. When you really think. Yeah. Anything larger than me is terrifying, except really hippos. Cool. They should be terrifying. Except for what, all people that are taller than you? or Can be terrifying, yes. Can be. Both me and Kat are taller than you. Yeah. Are, we sc- are we scary to you? Could be. Could be. Okay. It's a good start. I'll yeah. keep working on it. Okay. <laughs> so, Tuna goes out into the ocean. A few moments later, a large black mass suddenly just comes up to the surface rips the tuna off the line, Mm-mm. and then vanishes. Mm-mm. They didn't get a good look at what it was. Oh, so it was very fast. It was very fast. Very big. So they grabbed another piece of tuna and decided to do it again. Uh-huh. A quote. They were like torpedoes. They were really quick, and they would flash colors. That's the amazing thing about them. They would flash colors from absolute ivory white to blood red, and then do it in like six or seven times a second. It looked like they were being strobed. Is it octopuses? I know some of them can do that. Not octopus. Cuddlefishes. No. Really big things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd get less, less specific until I was right. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, they had an idea of what it was. Remember, this is 1990. So uh-huh. ocean research... There was still a lot of shit they didn't know. Sure. There's still a lot of shit they don't know. Absolutely. But like even more shit they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. But they had an idea of what it was. Mm -hmm. 
and they had a holy shit moment. So before they could put even more tuna out, there was another flash of red and white below the surface. And then dozens of these creatures rushed up once the tuna was thrown overboard, fought for the food, and then dove back down. At which point they're like, suspicions confirmed. Holy shit, guys. We are in the money. But this is... I'm scared. So what they were seeing were Humboldt squid. Squids! Yeah. Okay, kind of close. Which... Kind of close. Are very rare. Sure. Because they're very deep sea creatures. Yeah, something that flashes is is usually kind of far away from the surface, you would think. Yeah. So not seen very often, and in 1990, no one had filmed one alive. They'd only ever seen dead ones that washed up on shore. Oh, dang. So... This was fucking huge for them. Yeah. They're like, holy shit. We're just some guys. Like, we're just some guys filming a PBS documentary, and we're about to get one of the rarest creatures known right now. Yeah. Alive for the first time. Dang. They were very excited. They put on all their dive equipment, and they're like, fuck yeah, let's go. But here's the thing. Uh-huh. Because Humboldt squid were so rare... There weren't a ton of experts in the field yet about them. Sure. There hadn't been much research mm. over their behaviors, what the flashing means. Oh. Anything. When you should be with them, when you shouldn't be with them. In short, you should never be with them. In short, get the fuck out of their way. Um, so because they didn't have any experts in the field along with them, they weren't experts on Humboldt squid. They weren't even planning on seeing a Humboldt squid. Right. They knew jack shit about them other than they were extremely rare. So this is a super risky thing to be doing. So they put on their wetsuits. They grabbed their camera equipment, their underwater videography stuff, underwater still film cameras, and jumped in Mm. with these dozens of Humboldt squid. I don't like it is the thing. I just don't. Um, I'm very concerned, Icus. Humboldt squids are apex predators. Oh, good. Fucking great. And are usually about eight feet long and live in, like I said, the deepest parts of the ocean. Okay. Fun fact about squid. Uh Uh-huh. They have eight arms plus two long-ass tentacles that act as whips. Oh. That are covered in suckers that have teeth inside the suckers. That's disgusting. I didn't know that they had like a difference between, I guess like, so, because you would say an octopus's tentacles are its arms. They're utilized that way for the most part. But like, so a squid has two additional ones that are tentacles, but are not arms. Right. Because they've got the arms. And then usually when you see pictures of squid, they then have two longer bits that have like the little like oval shit. Yeah. On the, on the edges of them. Yeah. So those are their tentacles. And oh yeah, and then they and then there's teeth in there. Yeah. Somewhere. So there's teeth in the suckers. So when they attach to something, they dig the teeth in to grip it. That's disgusting, Emily. And then they pull it towards their beak. Right. Which if you've ever seen anything about a squid, you see the large black beak. Mm-hmm. It's like underneath them, right? Yeah. So it's like right in the middle, it's their mouth. Mm-hmm. And inside the beak is a tongue that's also covered in teeth. Gross. Yeah. That's yeah. just gross. Is all I can um, say. They also have a gag reflex. So <laughs> they don't eat quickly. Sure. Um, so they usually tra- drag their prey back down to their normal depths mm. deep in the ocean and then slowly begin eating whatever it was they were after while it's alive. Sure, which I wonder if that kills them or, like, the pressure of being so deep underwater yeah. would kill them first. I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope at least to be completely out of it. Yeah. Just from getting dragged down that yeah. fast. Now, like most squid, Humboldt squid are very intelligent. Mm. They are pack animals. Mm. And they're very social. Mm. And they can be extremely aggressive towards humans. When they are in large groups or when they are feeding. Mm-hmm. Like on tuna. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like you, you gave them a little bit of a nibble that they're yeah. all fighting over. Yep. 
Some of them still want food and you just put your bodies in the water. And they've started flashing between their red and white. And that means something that we know now. Yep, we'll get into that. Okay. So what the divers would learn is that not only do the iridescent colors of the jumbo squid jump back and forth, um, but their actions can be similar to those of excited sharks. Oh. Of very aggressive and dangerous. They go into a feeding frenzy. No. 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 Quote from Alex. Mm. I know about squid. I'm a marine biologist, so I know what squid can do. But I didn't realize they could be so fearsome. So they dive into the waters, go down about 30 feet, which is safe. Sure. Spread out with their different equipment to get them from different angles. And the guys on the boat, including Howard's dad, we're still throwing more tuna over on hooks to bait to them. make sure they'd still be around. Yeah. Sure. Because this was great. It's all going pretty well. Uh-huh. And then a shark joins the fray. No, no, no. About a 12-foot shark. Oh, big boy. That saw the tuna and was like, hell yeah. I want some of that. But in his thrashing of trying to fight the squid for the tuna, his tail fin got stuck on the hook. Oh, shit. And then he became the bait for the squid. Oh, no. So then they recorded video of Humboldt squid swarming a 12-foot shark and killing it. Oh, dang. (laughs) Yeah. It sucks that they're, in a way, like, just by being there, it's not their fault this happened. But they're a little responsible that, like, the shark maybe might not have died if their hook hadn't, like, hooked it. That sucks, but also fascinating footage to get terrifying. Yeah. And they, like, got a little descriptive with, like, where the squid were biting the shark. And I'm like, no, thank you. No, no. I'm good. I feel bad for the shark. Please don't do yeah. this. The shark was just minding its own goddamn business. Trying to get a little tuna just like them. Yeah. Um, so they were very focused on the feeding frenzy. And they decided to move closer. Okay. So Alex got right up next to them to take some still photographs. And uh, then he felt himself sinking. Nope. And he was kind of like jumping through the mental hoops of why he was sinking, thinking there was a malfunction in his diving equipment or he'd put too many weights on Mm -hmm. or something had gone wrong, but he wasn't worried about it. Sure. And then he kind of looked down. And saw that one of the squid had wrapped itself around his right swim fin and was trying to drag him down. Oh, no. At this point, Alex wasn't too concerned. Howard had told him before the trip that one of his friends had experienced a similar incident, but the squid had quickly let go. Okay. So a quote from Alex. As I was going down, I thought, gee, that's funny. The same thing happened to Howard's friend. And then he's like, after that, things started to happen pretty fast. I mean, I'm imagining that whatever squid did that to Howard's friend is not this type of squid that Probably we know not. nothing about and have Probably never seen. Probably not. So, because uh, they're curious. Yeah, sure. Sure. I would be. So, instinctively, he's like kicking at the tentacle, like, okay, all right, you've had your fun, let me go. And it, he got it to release him. Mm-hmm. So he was like, all right, no, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to go back up to the surface. It had dragged him down 10 feet. Oh. So he was now 40 feet below the surface. And at some point, the sharks was no longer the next target. And the focus had shifted mm-hmm. to Alex. So yeah. as he was trying to swim up, another squid was like, oh, fuck no. You're not going anywhere. My pal's trying to bring you to our home. Uh-huh. And instead of going for the fin, it wrapped a tentacle around his neck. Oh, no. The only part of his body that was not protected by the neoprene wetsuit. Oh, so there's like the wetsuit stops at your neck and you've got whatever face mask or whatever. Oh, God. Not good. Because remember, there are teeth. Yeah. In the tentacle. And it's now wrapped around his neck. Ow. So. He's freaking out. 
Um, he's quoted as saying, I felt the cold embrace of tentacles with their sharp toothed suction cups digging into my bare skin. Ow, ow, ow. It was like somebody was throwing a cactus on my neck. Ow, 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 ow. Yep. So digging in, he's being cut. He's being strangled because it's tightening and it's pulling him down. Oh, no. So he begins punching and squeezing and pulling and just fighting for his life, hitting it with his dive light, like whatever he could get his hands on. So he does get released, but he's been pulled down another 10 feet. Oh, no. And then a third squid joins the fray. These guys work together well. Yeah. This is terrifying. And rather than coming up behind him, they're like, no, fuck it. And they go straight for his face. And it wraps both tentacles around his head. Oh, no. And starts pulling his face into his beak. Oh, sure. Eat him head first. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so he could feel the beak pressed up against his diving mask. Oh, God. And so it was completely dark because it had oh. completely encompassed his head. Oh. And he could feel the beak opening and closing, trying to bite him. Like, how to, like figuring out, yeah. how do I get yeah. my beak around this guy? But it guy? kept hitting the dive mask. Sure. So that saved him from getting his face eaten by a squid. I gotta wonder how strong, the beak must be really strong. Yeah. You could probably crush a head. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. If you're going after something that big, you can eat it. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, if it took chunks out of a shark, it's probably, a human head is nothing. It's probably going to figure it out. Yeah. Oh, God. A quote. Mm -hmm. In total darkness, I felt the animal tugging at my masking camera. Concerned over the powerful beak, I grabbed the squid firmly, digging my fingers into its body. The squid got mad at him. <laughs> sure. For not being cooperative. Well, yeah, it's annoying. And then it just, like, it moves itself down to his midsection and basically just started ragdolling him in the water. Oh, shit. And just, like, violently pulling him down. Like, just stop moving yeah. and being yeah, just lame. be cooperative. I want to eat you. Yeah. Um, so it took him down another 10 feet. Oh, God. So 60 now? Yep. Oh, God. It In the attack, so far he's lost his dive light. It ripped off a gold necklace that he had on. Oh. And now he just lost his decompression meter. <laughs> oh, shit. So he's just like, shit is just falling off. So it drags him down and then it just lets him go. Just lets him go. Okay. So he tries again to get back up to the surface. Right. And this time they let him pass. Wow. Okay. Maybe they just saw what a pain in the yeah. ass he was. Three squid. Couldn't take him down. Mm-hmm. They're like, nah, we got, we got, yeah, we've got easier targets we can go for. Mm -hmm. And as he's swimming back up, he looks down again to make sure nothing's following him. And it's just to see a flashing red and white beneath oh, him. No. So he I gets to the boat. Freaking out. Yeah. Obviously. Oh, and there was an interview with one of the guys who was just like, I've never seen him that panicked. And you could just see all of the cuts on his neck and his shoulders. And he just looked absolutely rattled. I mean, he almost died. Yeah. And he probably like, I mean, I don't know when you have to come up like that. And you're, it's not. Yeah. Planned. He probably swam up a bit faster than he should have. Yeah. He also lost it de his decompression meter. So the whole thing that tells you like how fast you should be going. Sure. And if yeah. you're good. He's got... Yeah. He, he might be a little bit rattled for multiple reasons, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he gets out of the water, gets to the ladder, climbs out. His friends help him up. Is everybody out of the water now? Everybody's out of the water. Okay, good. His three other friends were totally fine. <laughs> no, they just didn't look as tasty. <laughs> yeah. The fuck? Yeah. Um... So Howard said he was so shook up. He just kind of stood on the deck for a while and then went straight to bed. So, right, yeah. Meanwhile, the other three were like, we can maybe keep diving. No, because the squid weren't interested in him anymore after they almost killed him. Well, Howard theorized that the squid were turned away by the bright lights of his movie camera. 
because Alex had been taking still photos, so he didn't have the bright lights. Oh, okay. So they're like, as long as we have a movie camera, we're fine. Yeah. I don't know about that, you guys. Yeah. So Howard had seen what happened. And he's quoted as saying, once they started competing, they get pretty aggressive. The three grabbed him at the same time and they yanked him and pulled on him and a bit of his gear got broken and ripped off. He got cut up and it scared him a bit. Everyone else had encounters too, but nothing quite that savage. I had one come up from behind me and grab me to pull me down about 20 feet, but then it let me go. Interesting. It's like the rest of them just got lucky enough. Yeah. Like, um, another guy said the squid would come up and hold, grab hold of one of our legs, but we would shake it off right away. Alex wanted to find out what would happen if he let the squid hold on to him and it didn't shake it off. But as mm-hmm. soon as the squid was on Alex and he wouldn't shake it off, the others wanted in on it. He's a scientist and he's interested in animal behavior. So he kind of sacrificed himself in the name of animal science. All right. They did not go back in the water once a larger predator moved in to feed on the squid. (laughs) They were thinking it was a tiger shark. They didn't get in the water to look. Oh, sure. They just sort of saw something was happening. If the squid aren't going to get you, the tiger shark will. They are one of the few breeds of shark that will and have eaten a human. (laughs) Okay. Just for the hell of it. Sure. They're very aggressive. Do not go swimming with tiger sharks. That's uh, They will kill you. That seems fair. Interesting. It's like tiger sharks and bull sharks. God. It's fine. No, it's fine. I'm fine. I don't ever want to do ocean shit ever again. Emily, yeah. thanks yeah. so much. One um, of the guys was going to go to shoot one last roll of film. But then the fishing rod that had... Like a diver-sized squid, I guess, kind of going at it, Mm -hmm. suddenly bent from the rod holder, Mm -hmm. just almost completely to the water, (sighs) and the reel just like out. Like it like took off. Like something dragged it off. Oh, wow. The rod bent over down into the water, and then the quote was, the line was just screaming off this pole. Howard said, well, whatever feeds on them just showed up. You still want to go diving? (laughs) And I looked over at the line, saw it reeling off and said, no, thanks. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually good. I'm good. That's interesting. So it's like there were these Humboldt squid there and then there was this other shark and that one was interested in the tuna, but it got real fucked over. Yeah. Absolutely picked off. And then something they didn't even see. That was bigger than the other shark. Yeah, definitely bigger than the other shark. And then like either grabs a squid that's or like whatever is on that hook and drags it so fast. I'm glad that they went like, oh, that's interesting. It's definitely a thing that feeds on the the squid as opposed to like, oh, I wonder what the squid are doing to drag that so fast. Let's get in the water. Yeah. Because tiger sharks per Google can grow up to 18 feet long. Okay. That's legit. Yeah. It. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. I wonder what they were hoping to see out there when they went out at night because everything they encountered is terrifying. Yeah. Like, what, were you hoping it was going to be chill? Because it doesn't seem like it's chill anywhere. I think they were just trying to capture anything. And I just, I don't think they thought they were going to see that many predators. That's, yeah. That's just predator after predator after predator. Yeah, they just, just like, kept moving up the food chain. Yeah. That's hilarious actually super weird because like i'm sure if they hadn't encountered the humboldt squid they probably would have found like a school of fish and they could have filmed something eating those Mm -hmm. yeah or just like nighttime because like people are so fucking fascinated by the ocean at night and people don't dive the ocean at night because right. it is extremely dangerous. A lot of the stuff that would stay very deep down comes up. Yeah, because there's no sun. There's no sun. So the light that you get, that little bit of light that you get that goes down to about like 30 feet is gone. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't hurt their little eyes to come up. <laughs> yeah, so they can come up there and fuck with your whole day. Yeah. Um, I'm... I'm interested. I, I want to watch footage of those squids. Did, did they mention what their footage did? Like where, like where it is? 
at all? No, they didn't. But there is footage out there of people swimming with Humboldt squids. Oh, okay. Yeah, there is footage of the Humboldt squid. Mm. And watching it shift between the colors is really weird. Is that like, is that just their, I'm aggressive, I'm feeding right now? It's like how they communicate with each other. But yeah, like the, the flashing is a warning, basically. Mm. It's a warning for the other squid and it's a warning for anybody looking of like shit's about to pop off. Like yeah, like I'm fucking yeah. I'm in death mode right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hardcore. Let's go. Oh God. Uh, okay. That's scary, Emily. Yeah. Did you have any more horrifying facts? Or was that no? But there is a great video out that's how to survive a giant squid attack. So, if if you're ever I don't know why you're in the ocean, but if you're ever in the ocean. And you come across a giant squid. There's there there are tools out there. I did not watch it. Oh, I, was I do say, not ever is plan it, is on it to punch, being punched in the eye. I'm guessing punch it in eye. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost always to punch. It's almost punch in, the eye. in eye or punch on nose. Yeah, <laughs> give it a hard boop. Right. Yeah, just give it a little bit of a boop. They yeah. don't like that. They They're squishy. Like Lots of stuff that's from the sea is very squishy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was upsetting. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, do you need a harp noise for any reason? I don't or know. Do, do you want one? I don't know if I need one. Do you want to see a Humboldt squid? Yes, I do. Okay, then let's harp noise okay. so I can show you a Please squid. show me a Humboldt squid shit. Okay. Do the, do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're back. Oh, what the fuck? Well, we're back. I Ooh. had to tell them. Yeah. What else am I supposed to do? Well, make a hot dish, of course. Well, I was going to do that after we recorded. Oh, okay, okay. You want some tater tot hot dish? Yeah, and Good. some coffee and bars, please. Bars, absolutely. Bars. I didn't think to make the bars ahead of time. I'm so sorry. Damn it. I know. It's fine. We got the spotted cow. I know. I'm a bad host, but, you know, there is cow if you want it. Yeah. So, we've got the green lights on now. My story takes place on land. It's a good old-fashioned true crime. Mm. Gotta love it. No squid. Our sur- no, no squid for this one. This one's just um, a little upsetting in a different kind of way, but also, I'm just going to preface this one. It, everything works out in the end. It's kind of nice. Like It's very neat and tidy, which is very abnormal. Yeah. Um, so, our survivor is Juan Catalan. Hi, Juan. Hi, Juan. So... On May 12th, 2003, a 16-year-old girl, this part is sad, is found shot on the road outside her home in San Uh Fernando Valley. Oh. I know. Her name is Martha Puebla. She was, again, 16, but she had just recently given testimony at a preliminary hearing of two members of the Vineland Gang. Oh. A big, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, They were known at the time, at least, you know, it's not a good one. It's pretty violent. So she had testified at this preliminary hearing against two of them who had been arrested for a murder. Mm. So the defendants of said trial were Jose Ledesma and co-defendant Mario Catalan. Um, and it's weird how, uh, especially in that time, so many people were pushed to testify and then just died. Just interesting Because the cops were like, yeah, interestingly wound we'll up dead. We'll protect you. Right. And the DA is like, no, I need your testimony. I need this win. Right, exactly. Even though, like, I'll get to that in a second, like, her testimony was in no way vital. Mm. It's, it's pretty annoying. So Martha was called as a witness to a murder that she had, like, she had, like, come upon the murder victim. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like, it was another teenager shot in his car. She had come to find him and hadn't really seen anything other than, like, he had, like, looked up at her and asked for help, and then he had died. Oh. So really traumatizing thing. And, but she had never seen the shooter. She, it was night. She just didn't have a good enough look. Why the fuck did they need her to? Exactly. I mean, I mean, she was the only witness to it actually happening. I think even though she didn't see the shooter, she could place him at a time. I don't know. But either way, when they asked, like, can you identify either of these men there? She was like, no, I really can't. I didn't see enough. And some people even argue that she might have known who they were and have decided not to say more. Yeah. Because a lot of people, Jose Ledesma, it was a really big runner in the gang, and he had a name. It was like Peps, I think. He had like a nickname. And one of her friends was like, it was Peps. <laughs> and she was like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. 
So she may have known more. She may truly not have. Either way, she did not incriminate them. But so that happens. She does that, that testimony. Um, and so that is at the preliminary hearing for their trial. They do eventually go to trial and they go to prison. Juan Catalan is Mario's brother, who is one of the people accused of this murder. And he had been there for his brother's preliminary hearing. He had seen Martha Puebla testify. And he states, like, he didn't really think anything of it at the time because she didn't say anything. <laughs> she didn't really say anything of importance. He has been arrested himself as part of this gang, but, like, he was, like, the getaway driver for a couple of times when his brother Mario had stolen from cars. And he'd done that as a, as a teenager because Mara was his older brother. He wanted to be cool. And at one point, he got arrested for it. And he decided that was the only time he ever wanted to be arrested. Mm. So he just kind of gave that up. Juan stepped away from the gang. He was never a part of it, truly. And so now, in 2003, he has a five-year-old, no, six-year-old daughter. And on and off girlfriend, like, at the time that this happens... They're kind of having trouble, but she is really there for him in this story. Her name is Alma, and he works at his father's, like, machine shop. They never explain what it is. But they're, like, they're kind of well off. Like, clearly his father has built a good business. Yeah, there's um, good money in, in machine shops, especially if, if yeah. there's a need for welders. Yeah, it really seems like they, they run a, a great business and they're doing well as a family. So on June 12th, uh, it's a month after Martha's murder... June 12th, Juan arrives at work in the morning where his father is already present. The place is immediately swarmed with cops. Like, oh, God. One of them is there. They're like, are you Juan? And he's like, yeah. And then, like, he's like, I was surrounded within 30 seconds by what cops. The fuck? Yeah. Um, the first cop he sees puts a gun in his face. Fuck 12. And, <laughs> yeah, fuck 12. And uh, informs him that he is wanted for murder. And uh, they put him on the ground, and his dad, like, sees it. And he can't even explain where I get this from is a Netflix documentary. I'll make sure to say the name of it in here. But, like, he, he can't even, like, get out the moment when his father sees him, like, getting arrested. Like, he stops talking and, like, is trying not to cry. Mm. It's really rough on him, obviously. So. Especially being arrested so violently. Yeah. And, like, right after his brother was just yeah. taken in for a real-ass murder. Yeah. He's now being arrested, too, yeah. for murder. So Juan is taken in for questioning by detectives Martin Pinner and his partner Juan Rodriguez. And they tell Juan that he matched the composite sketch created from a description by a witness of the murderer of Martha. And that that witness had identified his photo in a lineup, that there were actually multiple. They gave him like, you know, where they give you a book full of pictures of yeah. similar looking people and yeah. ask you to identify. So they showed him a bunch of these pictures of men who kind of look like him and one of him. And it's circled. There's a couple of these. One of them says, like, holy shit, that's him. Like, there's notes on it. <laughs> one of them says, like, that is the guy. This is him right here. And they show him, like, three or four of these things. And uh, it turns out none of those things are real, by the way. No witnesses ever wrote on anything. They wrote that and showed it to him as a way of getting him to, to think that he was trapped and just to admit it. Just like the way that cops do sometimes uh -huh. when they flat out lie to you uh -huh. so that you will admit to something, even if you didn't do it. Uh -huh. So. Assholes. Yeah. So they did that. Um, Juan did, did really, in this case, the smart thing because he maintained his innocence the whole time. The point of doing something like that, of lying and saying, we have all this evidence on you, you're fucked, is to get people to cop to it so they can take some sort of plea deal. Yep. And get less time. But Juan's like, no, no, no. I just didn't do this. <laughs> Quote, you guys are making the biggest mistake in the world. You guys are going to remember this because you're trying to pin this on someone who had nothing to do with this. So Juan had a cousin. And while he's being interrogated, he remembers that this cousin was a filing clerk for a lawyer he talked about a lot because he was like a big hard-ass lawyer and he liked him. So this guy's name was Todd Melnick. And Juan reaches out to Todd uh, for to be on this case. This is why I think maybe this family was doing okay because he didn't just have to take a public defender. Yeah. He could go and get his own lawyer. And this lawyer has like been on the news. They show like news clips of him. Like he's he's one of the bigger guys who I'm sure is just out there in the media. So Juan at the time of his interrogation was not able to tell the police where he was on the night of the murder because he just like he didn't remember. By his statement, he was like 
they were telling me I murdered a woman. Like, I wasn't thinking about what was I doing. I know I should have been, but I couldn't remember. It was a month ago. I can't remember what I did two days ago. Yeah. So I get it. <laughs> I can remember just because I had an itinerary. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like sometimes you just lose track of, like, what was I doing on uh, 520? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so... He doesn't tell them. He doesn't. He's like. He tells them he has a quote of like, "I, I, when I remember, that's when you're going to be sorry because I will be able to tell you where I was." Just you wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so in hiring Todd, like they talk about it, they speak with his family about it, and it's Alma who recalls that May twelfth was Mother's Day, and they were at a Dodgers game. Oh. So Juan, just a great son, had bought Dodgers tickets for Mother's Day, thinking wow. like. Because he knew his mother was not going to go. Yeah. He, like, cops to it in the documentary. Like, yeah, I knew she wasn't going to go. I got those for me. <laughs> uh, so he... God damn it, Juan. I know, right? <laughs> so um, he takes his six-year-old daughter with him. He takes his cousin Miguel and his friend Ruben to this game. It's kind of last minute. The seats aren't great, but it's still cool. And according to Juan, the game is like a, one of those nail biters. Mm. You know, when you go to a sports game in person and like you kind of have to see like if it's not close one way or the other, if your team's definitely going to win or definitely going to lose, you think about leaving early Yep, yep, yep. to miss the rush. Yep. I've lo- I've left every football game ever early. Because... Absolutely. That was the big move. Because um, yeah. <clears throat> we used to go to baseball games a lot for mm. the Brewers. Oh, for sure. And it was always like ninth inning. It depended on what was happening. Right. But if if it wasn't, like, anywhere close, we'd usually leave oh, just yeah. to beat the throngs right. of cars. Exactly. Because it is really rough to get out of a stadium at the same time as everyone else. So God. Packer games. Oh, God. Fuck. I can't even. I've no. never been to a Packer game. It's it's chaos. I've been to a, a few, even the Badger games, and that's just, like, one town that comes together, and it's still just, like, so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... He's he's think he's saying like this was not one of those games where we could leave early. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, "quote They were going back and forth. It was it was a tie going into the ninth inning, and I was like, we're not going nowhere. Oh shit! So I know that's exciting actually, yeah, and yeah. I don't find baseball very exciting. But I'd be like, okay, okay, I'm in it at that yeah. point. I don't like watching baseball on TV. I like being at the games. I think there's a there's definitely a mood to yeah, yeah. being at any sports game live. Yeah." yeah. I care more. <laughs> yeah. I am invested. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, the, but then the first half of the inning goes like really horribly. They're they're against the Braves and suddenly it was 4-4 and then like something happens and like seven runs occur. And so it's 11 to 4 and he's like we got to go. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> so they decide it's time to go home. On the way out, um he buys some baseball cards with his kid and then he takes his daughter home. Receipt. You know, good question. Um no, <laughs> I think he uses cash. And, oh, yeah. fuck. That's unfortunately <sighs> not part of this. Always get a receipt. Right? Always you get a never receipt. know when you're going to be accused of use murder. Use your fucking credit card. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I barely use cash. Yeah, same. I never have it on me. So Martha Puebla, meanwhile, on this night, had been hanging out in her front porch with her friends when a Chevy Malibu, a blue one, fuck, mm. what, a, what a car to murder in. Everyone knows that car. <laughs> oh, you mean the blue Chevy Malibu? Yeah, I saw Jesus. it. <laughs> Was seen driving around the block several times. Suspicious. Mm. Not good. After 10 p.m., the car pulled up in front of the house, got out, and pulled a gun. And the guy pulled a gun from his sweatshirt. Everyone else who is with Martha scatters. Somebody runs and jumps through the window into her house. But Martha is shot in the head. And she dies instantly, but they fire several more shots into her body and they leave her on the curb. This is at 1032 at night. So Todd, Juan's lawyer, seeing that Juan's best opportunity is to establish the shit out of this alibi. Like you're at the Dodgers game, like it's the ninth inning. You're there till almost the end of the game. Yeah. So you could easily have still been there when this happened. We need we need to prove that. It had to be, like, tight. So the prosecutor on the case was a woman named Beth Silverman. She was known for seeking the death penalty and for never having lost a case. So this is not good. Shark of a prosecutor. Absolutely. Yep. She was called the sniper. Yep. <laughs> like, she would just pick people off with the death penalty. Yep. 
So how many people that she picked off with the death penalty were actually guilty? Yeah, I mean, that's right. what I want to know. That's the scary part, right? Because like the early 2010s. Damn. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I know. And this is L.A. So yeah. Like... So it's all black people mm, and yeah. like Mexican and, and, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> like... Fucking A. So first, Todd talks to Alma, Juan's um, girlfriend, and Juan's family, and they, they find the tickets that they had for the game. Oh, thank God. Yeah. She has to turn the house upside down until she finds this like envelope with the tickets in it. Yeah. They hand that over. And unfortunately, like this is this is good evidence. It's submitted for sure, but it's not enough. Like no, of course Juan not. could have had those tickets but not gone. Right. There's no video proof that he was there. Right. So Todd goes to visit Dodger Stadium. He takes a look at the broadcast footage from the game. First he looks at like what was aired, what yeah. broadcast footage yeah. was actually aired, and sees nothing really. There's twenty seven thousand people at that game. Yeah. So needle in a haystack. There. Right. He also gets them to let him look at the like in-house footage, what they call Dodger Vision, that they show up on the big mm-hmm. screen. And he is looking and looking and looking. Like it takes him the whole day of slow mo through this footage because it's a three-hour game, but he is going so slow through. Right. It. He just feels he can't afford to miss anything. No. Somebody's he, life is on the line. Right. Exactly. And this guy's a hard ass. He really does seem like he's like working really hard, which I appreciate. Todd finds Juan sitting there. Oh. He sees him. However, it is 2003, and this is long-distance camera footage, and it's crap. Oh. Like, he knows it's Juan because he's seen Juan, he's met him, and he knows that that's the seat he's supposed to be in. Like, that's his section from his ticket. But that doesn't... That's not enough for a jury if this were to go to trial. Yeah. Right now, what they're doing right now is they're before a judge in the preliminary to determine if it is actually jury trial worthy. Yeah. And he he has to convince this judge that this is him. So they go looking for anything else. It took it took a bit, but Juan, you know, he's going up and down. He's like, oh, you found me in the footage? Oh, it's not good enough? Fuck. Oh, we found the tickets? That's not good enough either? Fuck. So Fuck. I know poor Juan is in prison. He's been taken. He's one of the people who he's put in the cage on the bus. Oh, you know, no. where they take prisoners on a bus to a place he's maximum security. So he's inside a cage on the bus. Ugh. Actually, he tells a sad story about seeing his girlfriend on the highway. He's in the bus in the cage and he sees her getting into her car after work. And he calls her later and is like, I saw you. Uh, I wanted to go home with you. I know. She's his wife now, by the way. Oh, good. I know. Um, <laughs> I feel like if you stick with somebody through this. You got it, yeah. You just, that's it. That's it forever. Yeah, for sure. So, Juan's having a tough time. Yeah. I'm but sorry, it, Juan. I know, right? Hard for, hard for our buddy. In speaking to Todd, though, he recalls something that, like, might have been filming there that day. Oh. He's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. I've never, I've been to hundreds of Dodger games in my life. I'm obsessed with the Dodgers. I love them. I've never seen something else filming there, but there were cameras. Oh. There were like people. There was security Ooh. in the aisles. And Todd's like, well, shit, Juan. <laughs> <laughs> so Todd goes back to Dodger Stadium. He asks them to look at their logs like what was there that day. And they're looking through the logs and they fall on May 12th and something is filming. He doesn't recognize the production company, but he calls and it's HBO. <gasps> and that is when in this documentary they show Larry David on the oh, screen. Oh, shit. Because what was filming was Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, my God. <laughs> and this is an episode I have seen because I've seen almost all of Curb and I fucking hate this show. Anyway. <laughs> Curb it- Your Enthusiasm is about to save Juan's life. <laughs> incredible like okay what the fuck it's the best story so todd calls up hbo he talks to a producer they're like you sound insane right now yeah and they tell him like dude we haven't aired this episode we don't show footage that's not aired you gotta wait just wait till it airs and then you can have it and he's like i don't have time for that this man is this is come on hbo yeah and that is when the producer's like okay let me speak to larry so they speak to Larry David, who is not only the star of Curb Your Enthusiasm, he created the show. Yeah. For those who are not aware, Larry David is the creator of Seinfeld. That is why he's a big name. He is like a Jewish producer from New York who has moved to L.A. Curb Your Enthusiasm is sort of a twisted version of his life in L.A. The reason why I hate this show is because it's rich people with rich people problems. 
that just like to scream at each other the whole time. And if you watch enough of it, there's a distinct pattern of behavior that it gets really fucking annoying. <laughs> Where they're all just like, it's tiny misunderstandings that blow up into like disproportionately huge fights. And every episode ends that way. <laughs> yeah. Gets, and if, if, if you don't know who Larry David is, I believe he um, also played Bernie Sanders on yes. SNL. Yes. If you really have never seen if him before. If you've really never seen him before, he played Bernie Sanders on SNL. Yeah. That's probably what you would know him best from if you've never seen either of these other two shows. Yeah. But yes. Um, so Larry David hears this and is like, well, don't we have like other footage, like extra shit that's yeah. not going to be in the episode? We were filming all over the place. Let's do it. This episode, by the way, this is what I hate. This is like quintessential what I hate about Curb. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is called The Carpool Lane. It was like episode seven of season four that they were filming there. And Larry is trying to get to a Dodgers game. He is stuck in traffic. The only lane that's moving is the carpool lane. And he gets approached by a sex worker. And he decides that she should get in his car so he can use the carpool lane. And he takes her to the Dodgers game. And that's the fucking app. He, he has bad seats. He sees a friend of his with better seats much further down. He tries to get him to sit. Like, he's like, let me have that seat next to you. It's empty. Just let me have that seat. And instead of the guy being like, yeah, sure, Larry. Larry had probably said something shitty to him earlier in the episode. So he tells him no. And they get in a screaming match in the middle of the Dodgers game. That's the ep. That's what Curb is like. That sounds awful it's like one or two eps like there is comedic value in it but if you watch every episode of that it starts to wear on you just how fucking vapid these people are and i know that's the point <laughs> don't look at me i know that's the point don't at us yeah please do not at us <laughs> it still sucks anyway so curb at the time like they had been thinking about like how do we film this episode like do we rent dodger stadium and fill it with hundreds of extras that sounds really fucking stupid and very expensive mm -hmm. screw it we're gonna film in a real dodgers game and they actually filmed the woman who was playing the sex worker she's a she's a comedian um but i don't i don't know her name but she just was like i never saw a camera the entire time we were filming because they would just position cameras at different parts of the stadium and film that one spot where they were sitting and sync it up with their, you know, mics later. Um, and there's one point where he, Larry is down arguing with the guy who has better seats, and that shot is straight through the aisle. So there are security and there's PAs, um, production assistants, who are in charge of holding people back. Like, if they don't want to be on camera, they have to wait. Yeah. Just for a second, if they're trying to get up and down yeah, the aisle. Yeah, while just, they get the shot. Yeah, just hold on for a bit. And Larry has to do a few takes, so it's a bit... But as they say, like this PA, Robert Gaik, he, he was a PA for the company at the time. He was working on set this day and it was his job to hold people back from this particular aisle for this shot. And he started to feel bad. He's like, these are paying people who came to watch the Dodgers game. They are not here to be on this show, but they're also like, I'm not letting them sit down. So at one point, he wasn't sure if the cameras were rolling anymore. There had been a few takes already, whatever. And he just goes, hey, buddy, why don't you, why don't you go and sit down? Go ahead. And that person oh my God. is Juan oh and my his six-year-old daughter. So there is a shot, a beautiful shot of Juan, maybe three feet from the camera, walking into the aisle, holding his daughter's hand, and they turn into their row. And you see him. You see his whole last face. He's wearing a Dodgers jersey. In fact, Larry David is like walking back up. The shot is kind of over. And he's walking back up the aisle. And Juan is like just moves past him. And like, I think it's the last take they do. Because at that point, Larry kind of like holds his hands up like, we're done. We're done. And people clap around him. And, uh, and that's it. And then he walks away. And in there, there's, there's fucking Juan. <laughs> it's very close. It's clear as day. And they find him from the other cameras, too. They just sync up like, oh, here's the time that that camera was shooting. So if we find that time code for all the other ones in the stadium, we can see him. So they've got like three angles on him. Holy shit. It's incredible how good the footage is of this guy. He was right there. Like, if they had just not gotten up right, to go to the bathroom or wherever they went, or if that PA had said, no, you got to wait. Or if they had just gotten done with the takes earlier. There's a million ways that this could have not worked out. Holy shit. But they got one on the camera. 
It's fucking nuts. I love it. The man, the, by the, the PA was like very moved by this. He was like, mm. I'm just so happy I was bad at my job that day. <laughs> so this is huge. Like Todd sees this and Larry David's in the room with him and he springs out of his chair. Oh He's god. like, oh my god, there he is. Larry was, even Larry David, who is not moved by shit, no. was like, that's pretty cool. Damn. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. So Good job, us. Right. I don't mean to gloss over too much here because that really is kind of the big break, but there is more to it than that. It's a court case. Yeah. It's always more complicated. The main issue was that this shot, this final shot, was taken at 9.15 p.m. and Martha is murdered at 10.32. So the prosecution can and would still argue that he left the game early and got there in time to murder her. So it is full of shit. Yeah. By the way, it's like 20 miles away. Dodger Stadium and her house are yeah. 20 miles away in fucking With like L.A. traffic leaving the game, uh-huh. it probably took him like two hours to get home. Right. The prosecutor's like, well, she had to take his friend back home and his friend lives mere blocks from Martha. So, you know, that places him in, in the area at the time. And it's like, maybe if he left early, which... He didn't. Which, right. But they have to establish that, of course. So, they use other evidence. Fortunately... Another huge, like, oh, my God, thank God this happened. At 10, 11 p.m., Juan's girlfriend Alma uses a friend's phone to call him. And his phone pings off a tower that's less than a mile from Dodger Stadium. Oh. And more than 20 miles from the murder. Oh. At 10, 11. Oh, shit. <laughs> so there's no way. That's there's really no way. It. There's no way. He's still there. And that, that testimony altogether, they had his daughter testify that, you know, oh, like, no. what did you do with your daddy that night? What did you guys buy when you were there? Baseball cards. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. It's so cute, too, because they're like, okay, you got to tell the truth. Or, you know what that means? If I tell you that this pen is true, is blue, is that a truth or a lie? And she's like, a lie. Oh. <laughs> it's so fucking cute. She's like sitting on her cousin's lap. It's adorable. Oh. Juan is crying. Yeah. Like weeping as she testifies. But she does such a good job. And, you know, Alma testifies. The two people who were there at the game with him testify. They've really got it locked up. Yeah. They do a great job. And so Juan is brought in for the decision by the judge. The judge who even took his inter- interrogation tapes home with her to listen to them over and over and over again because she didn't like the way he was interrogated. And she was just sort of like, this is weird, right? So... She comes in and and he says, quote, she's talking and talking and talking. And I didn't understand a single word she said. Yeah, because you're kind of just like, I mean, you're gone. Static, right? You're listening for guilty or not guilty. Yeah. Everything else is noise. Exactly. In his case, it's like there is or is not enough evidence to bring this to trial. But like that's legally speak in like they could be saying that in any way. Yeah. So he's barely paying attention. Like at least he can't grasp it. But then. He says that Todd was sitting to my left and he leans over and says, it's over. And I said, what? And the judge ends up ruling that there is insufficient evidence to bring Juan to trial. Thank God. And he's released. Yeah. His family's there to meet him. They have uh, footage of that. It's so sweet. He picks Todd all the way up. (laughs) All the way. He's like two feet off the ground. It's amazing. His family's screaming. They're all so happy. They ask him what he wants. And he says, I just want a Coke. There was no oh. coke in there. Oh. <laughs> and this is this is the best. Honestly, this is why I'm like, everything is very neatly tied up here. Juan would later receive a $320,000 settlement in a lawsuit against LA police because they inappropriately interrogated him. They were trying to incriminate him and yeah. make him say incriminating things about himself. Like they do. Mm-hmm. The detectives working the case were removed from the homicide unit, which it's like, wow, <laughs> okay. Wow. That was unexpected. Yeah. And in 2005, this is really why that deserved to happen, though. In 2005, a recording of a call made by Jose Ledesma, who I mentioned at the beginning as being convicted of the murder that Martha witnessed. Yeah. So Jose Ledesma, a Vineland member, he was in prison and he made a phone call. And that was not really checked out at the time when uh, they were looking into Martha's murder, but it uh-huh. should have been because it was a little garbled, but you could still hear it. And it was in Spanish, but once translated, he literally gives the order to kill Martha Puebla in the message. And they just never fucking listen to it. I'm shocked. I know, right? So Ledesma 
and three other members of the gang are now culpable. They were convicted and they are, they are serving life without parole for her murder. Like, so there's not even injustice in that part. <laughs> like, damn. They, they even got, they even got her real murderers and this man, Juan, got to walk free. It's kind of the nicest story I think we've done in a while. Yeah. It's also a really fun, very short documentary. It's 40 minutes long. It's just called A Long Shot. Um, and it's on Netflix and it's really interesting. They do a good job. It's a little bit like, you know, documentaries that get really close in on people's faces mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. really make you see all their pores. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's one of those. Oh God. <laughs> but it does a really good job. So if you want to see more, you should uh, watch that. And that's the story of Juan. Fuck. I know. I was just like. Happy to see that happen for once. Yeah. And he got a shitload of money out of it's it. It's also, it's so, it blows my mind when people go for death penalty for a single victim. Yeah, right. Like, I, I, I don't, I have a hard time with the death penalty. Did you just dump it down your face? I have a drinking problem. <laughs> I have a hard time with the death penalty because I do believe there are some people that should not they will never uh, be rehabilitated. No, re they society. are sociopaths, psychopaths. And they are serial killers. Usually they have no remorse, right? They have no intentions of changing. If you let them out, they will kill again within yeah. the next 48 hours. Yeah. That's a rare person, but yeah, sometimes those exist. Absolutely. Those exist. And those are like, those are my exception for the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's there's too much uncertainty. There's too much corruption in the systems. Right. There's too much push to close cases mm -hmm. to get convictions. Right. That people will tell little fibs in order to make the evidence fit. Right. What they've assumed is correct. Right. Just to get what they want to say is a murderer on yep. the streets. But yep. like, but they really they didn't. Be. Right. At all. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. That I, I wonder if the gang affiliation was really part of it, where it's like, this gang member is, you know, he's just going to go out and he's going to reoffend because he's a member of this gang. And it's like, well, he wasn't. But you could make a, I mean, his family member was. Right. Genuinely was. And genuinely committed a murder, or yeah. at least was culpable in one. So, like, I, I know how you could sort of make the claim that, like, we are releasing a dangerous criminal if we release him. But, like, the death penalty for one murder is a lot. Is a no, lot. All he was caught for before was getaway driving. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no humane way to do it. Lethal injection is not No, it gets fucked up way too all. often, for one thing. Well, and they ran out of one of the chemicals a while ago. They stopped making one of the chemicals. And it's like, the, all those chemicals were there for a reason. It yeah. was supposed to make it humane, because you're supposed to be, like, paralyzed and sort of fucking yeah. out of it and not feeling pain. Yeah, but, but uh, they got rid of the part that knocked them out. Yeah. That made them feel nothing. And it's like... So they're just paralyzed feeling it all. Ugh, awful. And, like, even before they stop making it, then, like, they, you can mess up that cocktail pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. And then people can be in enormous pain. And, and it wasn't... It. It's not doctors administering it. Right. It's literally jail it's like staff. Guards, yeah. Like, which is insane. Who are not medical professionals. Right. And they're not supposed to be. No. <laughs> just let doctors do it. But maybe doctors are... Well, doctors can probably be, like... I took an oath. I literally yeah, can't. I don't know that doctors can. Yeah, that's fair. But maybe then we shouldn't fucking be doing it. Yeah, it's huh? weird. It's weird <laughs> how that works. <laughs> if medical staff who weird. legally would be the ones that could do this are like, no, right? No, 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 no. I mean, is it better than hanging an electric chair? Yeah, probably. Probably because um, they could still fuck those up. Oh, you can so fuck that up. Yeah. You can fuck up easily. the electric chair real oh, easy. Real easy. You can if you do your math wrong, you fuck up hanging real easy. Yep. And we're not into that public shit as much anymore. No. <laughs> so we have TV now. Yeah. I can see death anytime I want to. I'll yeah. watch an episode of The Boys. It's on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh yeah. I agree though. It's it was messed up to even go that hard. Um Thank you for coming along on that journey with me, though. Yeah, that was wild. I'm really glad that uh, both Thanks. of our people just kind of got off. Uh, Somehow. Like, it's like really close calls. Yeah. And they got really lucky. I think that's our, our combo. Yeah. Because there was, um, in one of the documentaries I watched, which I've now, I've seen too much squid for my life. <laughs> um, he was talking about, like, the fine line between getting through it and death it's so thin. 
Yeah. Because, like, the difference between, like, being a survivor and not was, like, a matter of, like, 30 feet for him. Right. Yeah. So close. Like, on the edge of dying just because, like, you can't survive that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you ha- there is no choice when you're too deep down. Nope. And your instruments are failing you. Yeah. And you're being, like, dragged down yeah. quickly. Yeah. We're not supposed to be down there. Nope. That's not for us. Nope. Stop it. Yeah, stop it. Just stop it. Just stop Guys, it. Guys, I know we want to explore the ocean. Stop it. Make Elon Musk pay for it, at the very least. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys for being with us. I just, I'm proud of us right now. It's 107. Hey. Hey, we did it. We looked at each other this week and we're like, this one's going to be simple. This one's going to be simple. <laughs> That's how it's getting done. Yep. They were still good stories, though. Yeah. This is good. It's Sometimes just we don't no have complex to. layers. Exactly. Sometimes you need no, not an onion of a story because yeah. that is really tough. <laughs> Sometimes you want five pages of research, not seventeen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I will take that. I was like, ooh, four. Mm, mm. <laughs> Mine was five because I used a bigger font. <laughs> we have enjoyed this this moment. I am going to go. I wish maybe take a nap, but um, in the meantime, before we're back, you should be a lot like Alex. Yep. Right, and yep. a lot like Juan. Yeah. Just uh, keep on keeping on. Don't let the squids drag you down. (laughs) (laughs) And and whatever you do, don't forget your can of... (laughs) I'm still thrown. (laughs) From my incredible pun. Don't forget your can of receipts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You do not have, like, carte blanche to just make up a different Yes, one. I do. I would say can of water works really good with you, Lars. I'm just saying. <laughs> water was not going to help him. <laughs> okay. Okay, fine, Emily. Bye. Can of receipts. Show the squid the receipts. Show the... Re- always remember receipts. Yes. Get receipts. Get receipts. <laughs> you never know when you might be accused of murder. Yeah, in the ocean. <laughs>